Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Dr. Dennis Cuddy is back helping prepare us for the mayhem to come by examining contemporary conspiracies. We recently announced that we have been given a $1 million matching gift opportunity, which means every dollar you give is matched. It's doubled. Friends, would you consider giving toward this special match? You can help us continue to meet the mission and double your impact when you give today. You can show your support several different ways. First, by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can give online. Simply visit supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. Or you can give by way of your mobile device. Simply text 9490 to 91999. That's 90-F-O-R-9-0. And send that to 91 999. Remember, all gifts given are tax deductible and they all go toward the $1 million match. 1 800 652 1144 or visit supportswrc.com. Thank you. Now, here's Greg Patton and his guest, author Dennis Cuddy. Well, welcome to Watchmen on the Wall here at Southwest Radio Church. We talked yesterday and ended much too soon with Dr. Dennis Cuddy. His new book is out now, available at Southwest Radio Church, Conspiracy 2, based on his years as a political and economic risk analyst, historian, senior associate with the U.S. Department of Education. Dr. Cuddy's Conspiracy 2 delves deeply into the plans and the plots and all those schemes changing our culture today, the country, well, the entire world. Dr. Cuddy traces the evolution of evil from its roots in a falling away in the 1950s to the media attacks we have today and the undeserved praise of presidents and governments to that debacle called, and I call it the pandemic, COVID-19, and all of the aftermath that we're experiencing today. View contemporary conspiracies through the eyes of an insider, and my goodness, he certainly is. Feel better prepared for what's to come, my Christian friend. Dr. Cuddy, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk a bit about this new book, Conspiracy 2. I begin with a titillating title, I Was Surveilled. I can't prove exactly who in the government was doing it. I have had previous books like Secret Records Revealed to the Globalists and so forth published by Southwest Radio Church. And people would call me from all over. One fellow from London came over and says, I'm just visiting. I thought I'd drop by. And so we chat and he goes back. And when he goes back, he calls me and he's just talking a bit. And then he says the word bomb, B-O-M-B. And so I said, you do know that Echelon picked that up. And he starts laughing hysterically. 
which may be the reason he called me in the first place, because Echelon is a global system that if you say certain words, satellites will pick that up and start recording what you're doing. There's also something called iridium, because people need to understand that if you're talking to somebody with a cell phone, it doesn't just go directly to them. It goes up to a satellite and then is relayed. Uh, you know, For example, the relay station in the Far East is called the Great Wall Corporation of China. So you may as well just get used to the fact that any cell phone relays to go through China are picked up by the Chinese government, and they're, you know, they're listening in to what you're saying. And the one in the Middle East is owned by the Saudi bin Laden family. In other words, Osama bin Laden's family is listening in, or can listen in, to any cell phone conversations going through the Middle East, yours or anybody else's. So I've been used to being surveilled. So when I got to the federal government, I thought that at one point something was going on with the phones. You know, so I, one minute, just I sensed it. So when the other person hung up, I didn't hang up. And one minute, two minutes, three minutes goes by, and I'm just sitting there. And I'm thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. I'm listening to dead air. But after about four minutes, all of a sudden, two voices, not one, but two voices came on the line talking to each other about me in my call. So I thought to myself, why am I so important that they're paying two people physically, not tape, but to listen to what I'm saying? I said, hmm, this is, this is very strange. And so then what I found out, if you're going to surveil somebody, and this may be what happened to President Trump. He was always suspicious that his campaign back in 2016 was being monitored. And for some reason, people are so dumb that they were actually looking through records and well, let's see if they have any FISA warrants. Well, if you're going to do something illegal, you're not going to go get the FISA warrant and say, hey, we like to secretly monitor Trump's campaign. You're not going to do that. You're going to do something sneaky. So what they did with me was something sneaky. They gave me the same home phone number as President Nixon's personal secretary. Now, I was in the Reagan administration, but Nixon wasn't far by, and her name was Rosemary Woods, and she lived not far from me in Arlington at the time. And so I kept getting his calls, his Rosemary, Hispanic actually, Rosemary. I said, no, no, no. Well, the only Rosemary in the government I knew at that time was Rosemary Woods. So I looked in the phone book, and sure enough, they had given her the same number as I had, phone number. Now you say, well, that's just one of the billions coincidences. Well, it wasn't, because I called the phone company. They were very apologetic. Oh, we're so sorry. It should happen. We'll change it. They didn't. They never changed it. They stayed with the same phone number, which told me they really wanted to use that as a way to, quote, accidentally pick up my call. Say, well, I always said, well, we're trying to help Rosemary. And we just happened to pick up Cuddy's conversation. So that chapter is about I was surveilled. And then I go the next step with President Trump and the media. And what I found out then or surmised at first was they were trying to set him up. There was a plot, a conspiracy. And this is their words. This is the Democrats' words. A conspiracy to set up Trump. What happened was in 2015, Bill Clinton contacts Donald Trump and persuades him to run. 
Donald Trump didn't know if he wanted to run or not. But she says, go on, Donald. This is Bill Clinton. Come on, Donald. Get in there. Now, remember, Bill Clinton's wife is going to be running in 2016. Says, get in there. You know, run. You Don't worry. There'll be lots of candidates. You won't even have to get a majority. You can just get a plurality at first and win. And he was right. In the first primaries, Donald Trump did not get a majority of votes. There was like 17 candidates, and they were split. So anyway, there's a great deal of encouragement by the Democrats and Bill Clinton that Donald Trump would get in there and run for the presidency. Well, at that time, in 2016, the beginning of the next year, there's an email, and I've got the email, from Bill Ivey, a top Democrat strategist. He says to John Podesta, who's Hillary's campaign manager, he said they had successfully engaged, not let's do it, we have done it. See, we have done it in a conspiracy. He uses that word to create an unaware and compliant citizenry. In other words, a citizenry which is clueless and we can manipulate. And Podesta gets that email, and then Podesta writes an email, and I have that one. And he says, well, we're going to develop a Pied Piper strategy. And they say to their friends in the press, don't beat him up. Don't beat him up. You know, don't, don't knock him. We want him there. We're going to set him up. Remember, he took a trip to a church and he was holding up a Bible. Well, there were six ways to get to that church, but he was set up because they sent him the one way where he would run into a protest movement. Any of the other five ways, he wouldn't have, but they sent him. So they were constantly trying to set him up. Now, the next chapter in my book is Once Upon a Time, 1960. And it was a wonderful time. It really it really was. It was the end of the sleepy 50s, and things were nice, and food was <laughs> good, and a slower pace of life like the old, you know, Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith shows like that. And the music was intelligible. Groups like the Mothers of Invention, Jefferson Airplane, and the Who. And those groups stated publicly, we're going to use our music to create a generation gap. We're going to separate the values of older generation from the new values. We're going to create new values for these new children. And then I linked that up with education. So uh, around 1970, the head of the NEA, National Education Association, and you wonder why education is bad today? Just look at this quote. This quote, Catherine Barrett is the president of the NEA, and she says, in the past, we've had the basics, you know, reading, writing, math, occupy most of the school day. We're going to junk that. We're going to forsake that. We're going to knock that down to just one quarter of the school day so that the teacher can rise to his or her true calling, which is a philosophical change agent. We're going to change the kids' values. And so I looked at the, my own state where I am, and they produced what's called a sex education policy statement. And in there, same time as Catherine Barrett's making her statement, they said, in the past, we have had moral codes that we've teaching, you know, teaching good values to students. We're going to move toward a more humanistic approach. Now, what that pro approach is, is uh, situation ethics through values clarification. In elementary school, Children like games. They say, okay, children, we're going to play a game today. And it's called the lifeboat game. And the teachers are saying, children, pay attention now. There's a lifeboat, and there's 10 people on the lifeboat. But unfortunately, there's only enough food for seven. 
my goodness, what shall we do? And so little Susie or Johnny says, well, unfortunately, you know, some of those people got to go. There's always an old minister in these games, right? The religious conscience, he goes overboard. Then there's a pregnant woman, and she goes overboard. Now, remember, the teacher doesn't say go out and kill people, but they're saying in this situation, unfortunately, these things have to be done. Now, the child, he gets in his mind, so he just gets in his mind, so he goes home or she goes home, and the mother sets before little Johnny or Susie a plate of chocolate chip cookies. Now, they're looking at this chocolate chip cookies. It smells really good. They want the cookies. Mother said, now, don't spoil your dinner. Don't eat the cookies. Now, that little mind, that little six- or seven-year-old mind is thinking, how can I have the cookies? They said, aha, she said cookies, so I can do one cookie. The point is the decision is based on what the child feels at that moment, not what the mother says. The child becomes the final moral arbiter. It's back to the Garden of Eden. That's what Eve and Adam did. That's what Eve and Adam did. They replaced God as the final decision maker about what they should do. I want to eat the forbidden fruit. It's what I want. And so when you bring that forward to today, there's a lot of emphasis on me and now. What do I want? Now, I came up to a stop sign, and I had the right of way to go through. This young college girl goes flying through that stop sign because she believed what she was doing right now was most important. Now, you link that up with George Orwell's book. 1984, about Big Brother, where he said, we're going to quicken the tempo of human life, and you put these pieces of this puzzle together, and you can understand what they're doing psychologically to us. Yeah, I know who, what, when, where, and how they did these things. It starts with Edward Bernays, and he says, we have the technical means to manipulate you without you even knowing about it. But they're conditioning the public mentally, psychologically, and they're shifting from the old-fashioned biblical values to these new values, which in the 60s, in the 60s, resulted in the hippies. The hippies' motto was, look out for number one, what's in it for me, if it feels good, do it, and free love. That's how they changed in just one decade. They changed the values of the country. They created that generation gap so that we have the results. We were pretty much a biblical nation, people going to church all the time and so on, so they've tried to change that. Then I go to the next chapter, falling away, simply because what happened was predicted in the Bible that there would be, in the end times, this falling away. And so I detail exactly how it happened in what areas. The next chapter has the deep state, which you've heard about. There's really two types of deep state. There's the bureaucracy. It's a bureaucracy, a deep state. But what I did is why I went even further. I, I gave a sort of in-depth analysis, and I used the example of a book called The Essence of Decision by Graham Allison regarding the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he said there's several models. There's an organizational model, a bureaucratic model, and an executive model as to how decisions are made. And when I got to the bureaucratic model, the bureaucracy, they're primarily interested in preserving themselves. And what a lot of people don't realize is that when the Congress passes a law, that's not what's enforced. It goes to the agency, the Secretary of Transportation or Commerce or whatever, and then bureaucrats at the agency develop rules and regulations 
they are what is enforced. So the bureaucracy is extremely important in what happens in the nation. And a lot of the bureaucrats in Washington or in the state government are interested, first and foremost, in preserving their own jobs. Then I decided to go into some depth about the newspapers. And so I have a chapter, a letter to the editor of the New York Times and so on. And I specifically put letters that I had written that they have rejected. Back when USA Today, for example, was started, I had 33 articles in that paper. They always had a pro and con, 33 articles. But they've become really rigid now. And most of them, USA Today censors me, the New York Times, they won't print anything that I send them, anything at all. You've been listening to Dr. Dennis Cunney. We'll continue here in just a moment. Conspiracy 2, that's his latest book out of 25 that he's written, most of them available. Southwest Radio Church, SWRC.com. Call 1-800-652-1144 if you'd like more on this fascinating interview and the things that he has in his new book. So what's next, Dr. Cuddy? So then I moved towards Clinton's brilliant strategy, and I've already mentioned that, I believe, in yesterday's program about their their strategy to get Donald Trump in and then set him up and so forth and so on. Then I put a timeline. I wanted to bridge the gap between 2016 and the 2020 election. And what your listeners would probably want to note there is that I put an article by a Jay Valentine in American Thinker, which is a pretty good publication online, about the fraud of the 2020 election. It's not just you know, a lot of opinion. He puts details about the technology involved in it. And then besides that, besides that, I put how the election was rigged without fraud. It was just rigged. And that was generally a, a, a sort of a psychological manipulation and there, what I emphasized was Dr. Robert Epstein, who was a former editor of Psychology Today. And he says, I'm a liberal. I'm glad Biden won. But he said, I'm, quote, horrified as to how they did it, how they rigged it. And he goes into, you know, exactly how they did it. And they shifted votes and all that. So, so. But at the end of it, I emphasized how Google, for example, Google, had seed money from the CIA and the National Security Agency. That was, that was their seed money, and so they share information. And they have a file on you, me, and everybody else. They, they have a really good file on everything that you know we do and say and buy and with credit cards or whatever. And so I use the example of a fellow, and I won't give his name, but he worked at a UPS store up the street. And I told him about this, and he said, you know, I thought I was uh, something was going on. And so he said he turned off everything in his house, everything, no computer, no cell phone, no TV, no nothing, just sitting there in silence by himself. And he said, I just started talking to myself about anything, and I mentioned specifically a product, prune juice, that I never buy, and a particular brand, let's say Smith's prune juice. So it says, blah, 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 Smith's prune juice, blah, 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 Smith's prune juice. Within one hour, there was an ad for Smith's prune juice on his social media with everything off. Everything off, this ad appears. And so what the what Dr. Robert Epstein said is that little the Google had bought a thermostat company, a thermostat company. It has the ability to listen to what you're saying and knows whether you're, you know, brushing your teeth or not. So most people don't know this sort of thing. So that's why I put that that in there. Uh, it's a timeline and so on. And then I mentioned conspiracy, since that's the title of the book, my next chapter is 
conspiracies. And there was a man named Harari who had written a long article in the New York Times. And he says, not this, not this. Then I said, oh, yeah. And then I mentioned one after another after another conspiracy, which I could prove. I gave the documentation. And the next chapter is the setup, which goes further into how President Trump was set up. Then I talk about the secret Nazi plan fulfillment, because my 2010 book that you published is about the secret Nazi plan. Then I predicted drone attacks before there were any. I predicted drone attacks, and that was before the president of Venezuela was attacked by drones. So I predicted that. I predicted how it could be used against Israel and so forth and so on. And then I had the chapter about an unaware and compliant citizen, which I already mentioned. Then just as there's a secret Nazi plan fulfillment today, there's a secret communist plan fulfillment. And then I specifically mentioned especially China's role, China's role in this, then the next chapter's questions still linger about 9-11, because that could have been easily prevented, easily prevented, and I put 12 points, and if you look at those 12 points and ask yourself those questions, it will lead you to believe that something more was going on than meets the eye. The children, for example, in, I think, New Utrecht High School, that morning of 9-11, they all brought their cameras to school to film this, to take pictures. Now, how did they know? And if they knew, how come we didn't know like that? And so then there's a chapter on that, and then I go to a chapter called Deja Vu all over again. That's sort of an old Yogi Berra who's a catcher with the New York Yankees. He'd have those expressions. Said, Deja Vu means you're seeing something again. So anyway, and then press censorship, and then positive treatments aren't rocket science. I mentioned that before. That's the solution to Alzheimer's, dementia, and severe COVID. All of those have had clinical trials which have been proven effective coming from Tel Aviv University in Israel. And then I put about attack upon the power grid. You may remember some time ago in the state where I am, there was an attack, a rifle shooting up a power grid head. And so this article shows how I had already written about that in San Jose, California, years ago before it happened there first. And that very day, that very day when I posted that column, I got two emails. One of them said, well, have you thought maybe it's Patriots? And another one said the same thing that said that there are other targets which can be hit like that. And then the next to last chapter is narcotized. And then the final one is the population controllers because most of what's going on today has to do with controlling population or reducing population. So that's a pretty quick summary of what the part two is about in my book, this would be a read and a reread a few times over. Dr. Cunny has an incredible mind here, and the information could go on for hours. SWRC.com is your source. Call 1-800-652-1144 to get Conspiracy 2. Get Conspiracy. Well, just get all of his books, ladies and gentlemen, to be good for you because he has so much material. We could go for hours here. Dr. Cunny, let me ask you, artificial intelligence. Everybody seems to be excited or fearful about it at the same time. What's your thoughts? It's like the atomic bomb. It's both. There are things which will greatly benefit people, but there's a number of scholars better than I am in analyzing this that says, once you develop this, once you develop artificial intelligence, you really don't know the future consequences. And there are even uh, old MacGyver shows, if any of your listeners remember that old MacGyver show, which hint at that. 
they hinted the, the negative possibilities of artificial intelligence actually thinking for itself and protecting itself and creating disasters because all it's concerned about is itself. So there are these promises and there are dire consequences, I'm afraid, to come. Let me ask you this, one more thing, and again, conjecture, but you seem to be pretty good at this. What's going to come up in the next election? Will it be Biden versus Trump? And who do you think is going to win? The old plan where they were setting up Trump and getting him to run and so forth, and supposedly it was to let Hillary win, and everybody said, oh, it failed. I don't think so. I think what the Democrats are planning on is splitting the Republican or conservative vote. What they're going to count on is there'll be about 30% of really, really loyal Trumpists, right? And if their fellow is not treated well, and he has not been treated well, what they might do is to go to the polls and they'll vote for governor and house and all forth, but they'll sit on their hands and say, well, Donald Trump was robbed, so I'm not going to vote for that, which would allow the Democrats, whether it's Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, to win. So that plan can still be operational. Now, on the side, you have other people who are looking and waiting, and Ron DeSantis and they're trying to... Kamala Harris, I think there's too many problems for her to be elected. Now, what may happen is before the election, if Biden uh, considers to be tenuous, he may actually resign, making her the first woman president and thereby having her run as an incumbent, which has always been official. On her own, I think there's just too many problems for her. So if Joe Biden continues to be in la-la-la-la-la la, 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 la land to possibly even have a challenger. You even have a lot of Democrats who are encouraging, and I think there was a poll showing most Democrats, even if they vote for him, if he ran, they don't really want him to win. I mean, to run. They don't because he has too many problems with age. And I remember when he first came in, he looked at an aide after he had said only a dictator rules by executive order, then he signs 33 executive orders his first day, and he looks up at the aide and says, what was this I just signed? You know, he didn't even know what he'd signed. So there could be challengers. We'll just have to wait and see. Dr. Cuddy, you're one of my favorites. I so enjoy in-depth information you have for us here at Southwest. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. The complete two-day presentation with Dennis Cuddy is now available on CD. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. This week is the debut of Dr. Dennis Cuddy's brand new book, Conspiracy 2. The follow-up to his best-selling book, Conspiracy, this new book is based on his years as a political and economic risk analyst, historian, and senior associate with the U.S. Department of Education. Dennis Cuddy's Conspiracy 2 delves deeply into the plans, the plots, and the schemes that are changing the culture, the country, and the world. Cuddy traces the evolution of evil from its roots in a falling away in the 1950s to the media attacks and undeserved praise of presidents and government to the debacle of COVID-19 and its aftermath. Order your copy of Conspiracy 2 today. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 
1-800-227-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. View contemporary conspiracies through the eyes of an insider and feel better prepared for the mayhem to come. Conspiracy 2 by Dr. Dennis Cuddy. 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Tomorrow, we go across the pond to Great Britain and learn from Alan Franklin what the European Union has been up to. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com.